What's up, folks? If you're listening to this on audio, make sure you don't fast forward to do this because this is not an advertisement. This is me letting you know at the end of this episode, I've got a great interview. I got an interview with Colby Carino, son of ECW legend Steve Carino, former ECW champion, former National Wrestling Alliance champion. Colby's a future champion. Uh, he's one of the best hands we have over at Catalyst Wrestling, which, as you know, I work at. Uh, he's incredibly talented, just did a WWE tryout. He was on the Circle Squared over at the NWA. Um, it's only a matter of time before this kid blows up. He's a hell of a worker. He's I've never seen anybody more well-liked by his peers. He's 24 years old and has 20 years experience wrestling. Uh, very talented guy, very good at what he does. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's a quick uh, half-hour interview. We talk about... Uh, his experience with death matches, uh, his experience starting wrestling at five years old. Uh, just all sort. he's got all sorts of good stories. Uh, a quick little interview there, but you can also follow Kobe at Kobe Carino on Twitter at Kobe Carino on Instagram. He's got a pro wrestling tease shirt, but yeah, just stay tuned after this episode of the show. If you're listening to this on audio, if you're watching on YouTube, I mean, it's coming right up. It's right here. It's right here for you. It's going to just start right after this intro. You know what? I'm very lazy, and I don't like making two intros, YouTube. That's the whole thing. So if you're on YouTube, it's just going to start. That's how that goes. Sorry. Um, follow me at Chris from BKLYN. Go rate Notes of a Goon somewhere on iTunes or wherever you rate things. Just click, click, clickety, click, 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 click. You're clicking anyway. I know you're clicking things. Click on that. All right. Into the show. All right, goons, let's go. We're doing it. What What the fuck episode? This is number 14? 14, dude. 14. I'm yeah. fucking... Two touchdowns. I'm your host, Chris from Brooklyn, Chris Vega, and uh, uh, obviously joined by my stalwart producer, Mike Harrington. I'm drunk. They had the Irish goodbye, 200th episode in the fucking studio, so we're starting late. We always start late. I don't like to start late when there's been a fracas, Mike. Why? I don't know. It feels strange that we're starting late and there's been a fracas. There's no fracas. There's no fracas. People right. are having a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are having a good time. That's the thing. It's like a weird... It's weird. It's usually so common here when I come in to do this show because I come in late. Those guys are already gone usually. It's true. These are these are old man hours. Mm -hmm. These are these are these are quiet time podcast hours. Yeah, this is this is corner bar stool hours. It's true. I got to say this. I'm fucking done with the election. I'm fed up. We got to go into this real quick, and then we'll move the fuck on. Um, we said last week on the show, I came on the show, and I said, do you think we'll have the results of the election by the time we're recording? Mike, you assured me we would. I re-listened this morning. You assured me we would know who the president... You're supposed to be my producer, Mike. I mean, you I can't... I can't do this for you. Know what I mean? Like I, I ain't counting no ballots. I'm just saying you assured me. I remember we watched that whole ballot counting thing two weeks ago, and I was worried about it. And you were like, "No, no, no. We'll definitely know who the fucking president is when do, the show starts." Do you think this many Republicans were coming out? I did not. It's crazy. Trump got more black people voting for him, more women, more fucking brown people. Dude, my boy, I'm gonna forward you a text right now, and I hope it goes through on. Um, if you could somehow figure out how to pull it up. My buddy <laughs> sent me a picture from Florida. Email it to me. 
All right. Yeah, I'll forward it to you via email. Okay. My buddy sent me a video from Florida. The day before the election, I'm not even going to talk about what it is until you fucking get it. Oh, yeah. Because this is such an insane, like, he sends me this from a Trump rally because he's, he's a big Trump guy. He, he's one of those guys who became a Trump guy and then decided he hated New York and left. And he moved to a battleground state so he could vote for Trump. Yeah. He's, sounds like, this sounds like most of the Fox News people. Oh, Probably. This is like, these are the people who Fox News cater to. That's uh, like, there's a reason it's the most popular fucking channel. Your email is Harrington at no. gmail. Huh? No. What is it? Don't, I won't be giving out my email on air. Oh, well, I'm just forwarding the thing. <coughs> All uh, right, fine. Harrington 12 All right. I'll just, I'll figure it out. Hold on. I'll figure out a different way to do this. I don't know no, how no, to no. send a text to your email. Oh. I'm. Not good at this. We know. Can we you just copy and paste to my Facebook Messenger? Does that work? No, because it's a video. I'd have to download the video. Forward. Share. There we go. There we go. I can do this. We already gave out your email. I guess you could bleep it. Your yeah, t- that's what I'm thinking. Like, I already marked it down. There you go. Well, that was Mike's email. But yeah, pull this, <laughs> pull this video up. I'm fucking so done. This election it's two days. We talked about it. High side. We recorded High Society yesterday, so this comes out the same day. But we're recording this on Thursday. There is still, and I'm just annoyed because the lead up to the election was such a fucking fuck show, right? Everybody was tweeting pictures of gun store shelves with no ammo on them, right? It was just a fuck. I fucking tweeted. I just this is just a hate fuck on opiates, and I said that because I used to hate fuck on opiates a lot. You know what I mean? You ever hate fuck on opiates? Chris, I'm 32. Of course, I used to hate fuck on opiates. Exactly. At the height, remember the height of the opiate fucking was it? Is it a crisis? Was it a challenge? What was the opiate thing? Was it a crisis? I don't know. Yeah. So the crisis came. The crisis came when fentanyl hit. Uh huh. That we was when the, that was when Anti Monitor killed Supergirl. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. the that was the sequel. We were there was like a crisis on infinite Roxasets. Yeah, I think we were. We were crisis on infinite earth and like the 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 pandemic was the you know the, the That's final crisis. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, so the the, the opiate crisis, you, you hate fuck. Here's the thing. So Mike, you've had sex on opiates. Yeah, a number of times. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard to come. I'll be honest, for anybody like if you come too quick, the move is you take opiates. It's better than a Viagra, really. If you're a young man who comes too fast, because when you're a young man who comes too fast, your recharge is already there. But if you're embarrassed about coming too quick, opiates. Chew up a couple of codeine, Vicodins. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. But here's the thing about- But- Uh-huh. I don't know about you, and this is honestly a weird recurring thing that used to happen to me when I would hate fuck on opiates. Uh-huh. I would think I was in a post office- what? I would just, for some reason, I would forget what I was doing, and I'd be like, wait a minute, am I fucking you in the mail bin in a post office? And she'd be like, what? And I just kept, I could not, I kept going to nods thinking I was in a post office. I can't tell if this is an election joke or you're serious. This is 100% a thing that happened to me. This is part of why I'm a homeless, homeless weirdo. Wait a second, Mike. We were talking about the election, and am I... Brilliant analogy of how it is hateful. The, the fact that there has been no riots is how it is. We'll get back to that in a second. You, Mike Harrington, my stalwart producer, had a recurring waking nightmare. 
Because here's the thing. You look like a postman to me. You should have been a postman. Dude, that is the government job. I should have gotten at 18. Dude, I'll tell you this. Yeah, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, how you should have gotten a couple... Hey, you think sometimes you should have gotten... You, because it's just walking around... There's really nobody watching you. That's what I love doing. Just walking around. You could definitely just have a jug of water. You see that Ricky Gervais show? So wait, wait a second. So opium, this is how white trash you are. <laughs> Fucking Roxaset is your ayahuasca trip. A bit. Yeah. It's like, remember in the South Park where they were like, the medicine of our people, it's Mountain Dew and Huffing Glue? That's you, but you, you, would, you would have a recurring hate fuck yeah. opiate thing. Because first of all, kind of all, like, the girl you're fucking when you're doing too many opiates is the girl you hate. Oh, yeah. I hated everything. I hated and everything about my life. Everything. And she was the biggest, like... But she was hot, though. She's cute. She was a good fuck. Because girls, I think, come easier on opiates. It's guys who can't come on opiates. Because it relaxes know. them. She wasn't doing the opiates. Oh. Yeah. I was doing a mutual opiate thing. No. I don't think she hated me. I don't think the girl I'm talking about hated me that much. I, I, hated, I hated her. Because she just followed me around and got me all loaded on opiates, even though I was like, stop. <laughs> stop giving me those. Damn. Your sound's way better. She was just spit Xanax in my mouth. It was not, it was not the best. Um... So you, wait, so you would think you were fucking in the post office? I just kept thinking like- This is the weirdest possible fetish. It wasn't a like fetish. in a bin? In the bin? In the bin. Now let me ask you, the plastic bin or the clo- the metal with the cloth? The metal with the cloth. It's gotta be the metal yeah. with the cloth, because that's a little now. sex dungeon-y. A little bit. You're just fucking in a pile of Nana checks. That's not bad. Just rolling in it. There's just so many EBT cards in there. That is so fucking weird. And it just happened a lot? Dude, it was just... yeah. I mean, like, for a whole summer. I'll tell you this. This, this to this day... Because I was... Like, when I first started having, like, regular, regular sex, I was living with my dad in Sheepshead Bay, and there's two... I've talked with Zach Amico about this, but South Brooklyn is known for their roast beef sandwiches. It's a little-known thing about South Brooklyn. But there was two roast beef sandwich places in Sheepshead Bay, rival roast beef sandwich places. One is called Roland Roaster, and one is called Brennan and Carr. And when I could was trying to hold a nut, I, for whatever reason, would just go through the menu of first Brennan and Carr and then Rollin' Roaster in a row, just the roast beef sandwich. Because, like, they, you know, they also had fries. Then you could get cheese whiz on it or not. So, like, I feel like maybe that's – it's not like that. It wasn't, like, just a weird thing to keep you from nutting. You would involuntarily – yeah, it would be like I would go into the nod. It would be like, uh, 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 like doing like my like my like I hate you and my whole life, and I just kind of want to die while and my I opiates ca- and I shit. can't come right. But you won't leave me alone until I fuck yeah. you. Is and kind then, of what opiate hate sex is. And then it just kind of turns into a thing where I start nodding out from the dope, and then all of a sudden I'm just going through the motion. Still, she's not hating it, and then I would eventually just kind of like. Just go totally live, and she'd if be like, you could "What the somehow, fuck?" Like, so here's the thing: if you can somehow come on the opiates, it's the best possible thing ever. That would have been the riots we were promised. You know what I mean? We got some mediocre, shitty riots. I sent you a video from 
uh, from Gothamist. There were a couple of dust-ups here in the dead city, New York. Okay. There was a couple of dust-ups. There wasn't really anything. A few dozen protesters here and there. They set some fires. Uh, the NYPD tweeted out, Look, we don't mind you guys yelling. They, they, I forget the exact words, but they were like, Look, yell all you want. Just, you can't let fires. People are going to die. I mean, that's how I read the NYPD's tweet of, we will draw the line at fires. That's pretty tight, dude. No, I think it really comes down to is like, if I got to call a fucking firefighter to clean up my mess, oh. I am never going to hear the end of it. So fuck you. Do not start fires. What are they going to do? They're going to come through. Why do they even have the axe? We're outside. <laughs> It's a cardboard box. You really had to bring the axe off the truck, you fucking jerk off. You got the axe. Look. Oh, oh, look. I get to have an axe. We got nightsticks. We got tasers. I got, look, I can put most of these fires out with my pepper spray, but some of them are, you got an actual hobo on there. I got a $600 scope on this 100-foot grenade launcher. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> They'll put out the fire real quick. I've got a $600 scope on this pepper spray. I've got They've got like one of those uh, high-pressure movable showerhead nozzles on their pepper spray to put out fires. <laughs> oh, it's $10,000 a piece. Um, yeah, so let's take a look at some of these. Uh, so apparently some bicycle cops who look a lot more intense than I remember Bicycle Cops. Remember the show nah. Pacific Blue with Mario Lopez? Well, I'm about to look that up. Yeah. Uh, that's what. That's what I. That's the image I remember of the Bicycle Cop. Pacific Blue. You know, just Mario Lopez getting pussy just as a Bicycle Cop on the beach. And so I, it, was like, it was like Baywatch, but with bike cops? Yeah, but I mean, Mario Lopez is so handsome, you know? Well, Mario Lopez fucks, dog. Dog. Right? This is what you think of when you think of a bike cop. You know, he's got the fucking, he's got the shorts. He's really not doing a lot of law enforcement. He's mostly just looking handsome. It's true. I mean, dude, he's got like, yo, if, uh. Hey, what are you guys about to fight on the beach? Let me disarm you with my smile. You know what I mean? That's how he's doing it, Mike. I feel like he would get he would get to the bottom of a lot of crimes by being just super handsome and like kind of James Bonding his way into yeah. these teenage girls' pussy. Into these bicycle crimes. <laughs> No, dude, like he was definitely breaking up. Oh, we had to break up this bike jousting ring because somebody broke their neck. You ever watch bike jousting? No. It's pretty entertaining. There's this, actually, there's a party that no longer happens. I think it's finally over. But me and Ian Finance apparently were at three together and didn't know each other yet. Okay. There's pictures of us in in newspaper articles before we ever met. But there used to be this party called Bike Kill every year in Brooklyn. It was the one, I used to call it the saving grace of hipsters. Because they would joust on bicycles, on two double-decker bicycles. They did all sorts of shit. They would, like, shoot baby uh, dog heads out of cannons. Yeah, this is what it looked like. And people would just get hammered and light shit on fire. It was super fun. See, that's a bicycle with made of boots. Dude, this looks fucking awesome. Dude, it used to be... Yeah, I would just... Dude, last dude, time, I remember I went... The one straight-up fucking the, Fury Road shit. The one that me and Fight Ants are in the newspaper article in the same one... Is fucking um, the last one I one of the last ones I went to, and some guy was just giving out mushrooms. Like a, he had a giant Tupperware of mushrooms. It's probably the last time I tripped face on mushrooms. Like it was the first last time I did did a non microdose of mushrooms a few years ago, and it's just because some guy was like, "You want mushrooms? Like look where you are." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I want mushrooms, dude." That is, I went like, to that ten year. I went to that party ten years in a row, dude. This is what it feels like when we go to see Zach at wrestling. 
yeah. for me at least. Like that's kind of the same. You know what I mean? Like it has no, that same kind of energy. It's significantly more intense than you would love that party. Yeah. It used to be, dude. They're honestly like in the beginning. Do they of, not allow the bike jousting anymore? No, they they started for whatever reason. They started really cracking down on because like street permits um, close at sundown, but nobody shows up to this party until three o'clock in the afternoon, and so the sun goes down, and they just haven't gotten stuff. So they just the cops just started really being dicks on it, even though they had permits like a few times in a row. They would like. They would track this party and shut it down. And nobody ever got hurt. I, like I said, I went there 10 years in a row, and I stayed for most of the day. No, it was just, I think it was just the cops didn't want people to know you could have this much fun in the street. I feel like there's no chance I don't get laid at this thing. Dude, it's a blast. I'll tell you this right now. There used to be parties like this. There used to be these things called Rubula loft parties. They used to be in warehouses that... You'd go in them, and they had, like, meditation rooms in some rooms. There was just, like, a dedicated girl in goth wings on a fucking pedestal reading fairy tales at one of these. And, like, just girls would be walking around. Like, you'd be tripping, and girls would just be walking around, like, with cold towels. See, they got really whack now. These parties got whack. Yeah, these chicks look like they just came in from the suburbs, and they're playing dress-up. Yeah, so, like, I'm talking about 20 years ago. These parties were nuts. Like, they would have, like, a merry-go-round in the party, and dudes would be jumping off the merry-go-round into fucking crowds of people. But I mean, for, they like, somebody bought the mailing list, if, if I recall correctly, is what I heard. But that's, like, where I first started doing, like, things like 2CE and Foxy and shit. But we're off track, Mike. We're <laughs> off track. The election. The election. I elect for the New York of yore. That's what I elect for, Mike. Um... But yeah, so there was a little a couple dust ups here in the dead city, New York City. Show me some of these videos on of this whole shit. Okay. Oh, I gotta unmute these. Now look at these bicycle cops. They don't look handsome like Mario Lopez. They look like the movie Turbo Kid. <laughs> they're very scary looking, Mike. Why do they all look like motocross guys, but they're pedaling? Uh, I don't know, dude. I mean, they're they're fighting uh, uh, armies of blue and green haired mutants. It does feel a little bit like the movie Turbo Kid. Kinda. Yeah. You know, you gotta prepare. You know, you gotta. But come it's so funny. They all have like head. That guy's got glasses, but he's got all this body armor because he's a bicycle. They're all so safe looking. Nah, dude. So here's the thing: the riot cops look lame. The bike cops look kind of dope. They got like the it six. Kind of. Like it looks kind of dope because we're watching this on a camera video. Yo, my on, man, a, on, a, on a phone camera. Like, if you if those guys were in person, you'd be like, dog, you're overdressed. You know what I mean? Like, you know when you see a guy... Now, go back dog, to... Dog, if you're on, going into a riot back, on a bicycle, you kind of got to be wearing some tactical should, gear. Yeah, but those jousters didn't have no tactical gear. They just had a fucking lance, bro. Yeah, but those are fucking hipster kids in Brooklyn who ain't got insurance. That's true. Yeah, even even better. These cops got good insurance. Well, they, they got, they're, it's true. They are kind their, of bitch-made now. They're hindering, yeah, they're hindering their mobility... Yeah. There's another one of these videos that was pretty... Oh, no. There was a girl who spit on the cops. She spit right in the fucking visor. It was pretty good. And then they just beat the shit out of her. Oh. But it, was, it wasn't... It was like It looks like a lot here, but they said in the news it was like a couple of dozen people. Portland had some riots. Now, here's the weird thing. Why are you... For, hold on. Scroll up to what they confiscated. What is that? Couple of really... Those are the throwing knives I gave as a gag gift at the Gas Digital Christmas party. <laughs> Like, literally, that's the exact... The Thunderbolts? Those are the cheapest throwing knives they sell on Amazon. Oh, that's so funny. That's what they confiscated from them. That's so funny. Dude, this is like when I got arrested for brass knuckles. Yeah, dude, I gave those... And they were at a, ri a supposed riot. 
the two, what did that, did that guy think he was going to fucking Naruto out of a tree? That's why those bike cops are also are all dressed like fucking hockey goalies. Just because that'll <laughs> deflect a $2 fucking throwing knife. Yeah, dude. Dude, if I recall correctly, I gave uh, weed edibles and throwing knives. The weed edibles significantly more expensive in my Secret Santa gift for uh, gastage. Yeah, the throwing knives were kind of pretty cool. Yeah, it's a cool thing. It's just a cool thing to give some to to some people. So there's that. And did you have the? Did you get the video from uh, from my buddy's thing that I just sent you? I did. One second. Uh, it's a salsa band. At a Trump rally. He just sent me that at two in the morning. Bro. He's, like, he's like, we out here. Yeah, dude. He's like, Trump's gonna win again. And here's the thing. This is the dude. This dude has so few. Just as like a New York guy. He's a Jewish guy. He is so, but he's like a, a secular Jew. He has so few uh, Trump friends that he sent that to me. Like I was like, all right, I find that interesting that they have a salsa band, a Cuban salsa band at a Trump rally. Bro, are you kidding me? Like, obviously. Those tunes were crushing. Apparently, yeah, Trump really killed it with the Cubans. Bro. So, so much so that other Hispanics have said that they're not Latino anymore. That's crazy. Have you been seeing those tweets that Cubans are not considered Latino anymore? Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen. But, like, here's the problem. It's also other countries. It's Venezuelans, right? Yeah. It's like, yo, it is. It's Ecuador. Like, anybody who has experienced socialism, right? Yeah, Russians in Brooklyn love Republicans. They all vote Republican. They're like, I grew up with a lot of those guys. And they all are just like, nope, we do not trust socialism. Huh. If you And it's here's the thing. is like you could pass socialized medicine in this country. The Russians would love it because they would just be scamming the insurance. You just can't say that you're a socialist. Like, you could be like, yeah, we're going to pass healthcare for all. Just if you once you start saying you're a socialist, we no longer trust you. Like, they, you could. You could get those guys on your side, at least the Russians. I don't know how the Cubans really vote. I don't know a lot of Cubans. No, because I feel like here's the thing. Healthcare is enough of a thing around the rest of the world where it's like it's that is no longer the barrier for socialism. Mm-hmm. Like that is just a, a yeah, right that's of what, that's the first what I mean. world. That's kind of what I mean by that. Right. Um, but yeah, there's that. I look, I just this fucking election, man. It's just it is. It's just not over. I, I hate that it's not over, man. It's looking like Biden's gonna win, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it looks like he's uh, he's pretty far ahead. I don't know. A couple of these states are. Who knows? What I, what I hate about this whole thing is everybody's just like, let's just end this. So America can get back to normal. Normal. We can get back to drone bombing weddings. Right? Locking up more black people than any other country. Just in record numbers. You know, normal. Good old American normal. I still have- That's the Joe Biden two-piece. Drone bombings and locking up the blacks. You know what the biscuit is? Mass deportations. You think? <laughs> I mean, the Obama administration was mass deportation central. Was it really? Yeah, more deportations than Georgia. George yeah, yeah, but that was and more than Trump. Yeah, but was that uh, did that affect uh, Hispanic communities or was that mostly no, Middle yeah, Eastern mostly, communities? No, it's mostly Hispanic. Really? Yeah. Why do you think the cages for the children are there? They were built for adult men. 
but they ended up putting kids there because in the last because of what happened in Venezuela and what's going on in uh, El Salvador with the cartels, uh, a lot more families have been crossing the border. But before that, it was still there were record numbers of adult men. Those cages were built for adult, like whatever. It's a weird thing that nobody ever talks about. Is like those cages were there already when Trump took office. They were built for adult men because adult men cross the border, send money back, and then move back. Right? Like, but it's like adult male life is expendable has always been expendable in history right yeah. that's what the draft is soldiers just mow people down it's fine and it's kind of fine right because one guy could just come in like six bitches you know what i mean like yeah bitches you need bitches they feed you know their titties feed children it's true bitches are important bitches are important you know and that's why male life i i honestly do agree that that's why men do more dangerous jobs male life is just more expendable yeah scientifically I mean, I'm ready to die. You're ready to fuck in a post office, which I think would kill you. It's death of a thousand paper cuts on your dick. Just nah. all, the, all those corners. I don't feel. I don't feel folks? like. I, I feel like I don't. I don't outstroke enough for me to really. Dude, I love a good outstroke. I like getting just towards the end. Yeah, I don't. Just, I like even. If you get a pitch real wet, you just pull all the way out, and then they go, huh, and then you slam right back in. <laughs> That's a, that's how you hate fuck on opiates, Mike. All right, I don't know. I I, don't, I never trust my aim with something like that. That th- that's how you hate fuck on opiates. I'm Same, telling you dude. this right now. What happens? You hit the gooch. Now you got a broke dick on opiates. I don't know, man. I used to bounce chicks off. You know, you do the crab walk. You bounce them off and you catch them back on your cock. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. tur- it's called Turkish ring toss. <laughs> that's what you call that. All right. Well, I got a new episode title. Mm. But yeah, this is uh, all right. So we'll move on from the fucking election because it's not over yet. It's not over. We got more. We got more of this shit coming up. I got oh, Oregon decriminalized all drugs. Hell yeah! You're homeless. When are you moving there, dog? I'm not homeless no more. I got a fucking lease. Kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, looks like. Uh... But how how quickly does Oregon? Because like, here's the thing: if you do that in a vacuum, where only Oregon passes decriminalization. <laughs> so I was out in Denver. My cousin works for the city of Denver. Right after they passed legalization, and she was just like, "It was like every fucking crust punk in the country. It was like a beak. It was like." It was like when um, Lion-O sends up the fucking cat signal. It's the one drop we have, Mike. I couldn't get to the board in time. <laughs> but it's just... I'm telling you, this is going to be... There's going to be so many... It's going to be... Like, it's going to be... Taboo to own a home by the end of the month in Oregon. You know what I mean? Because this goes into effect immediately. It's not like they have to. It's not like when they legalize pot somewhere, and then they have to construct laws, and then build an industry. They literally just said, "Hey, uh, here's a white gold rush. Just mm-hmm. come out here and sell coke, son." Maybe here's the problem. It's it's it is still illegal to sell it. Mm-hmm. It's only for personal use. Yeah, but we're still talking about the state of Oregon. Yes. In the state of Oregon. So that's where Portland is. Right. Okay. Um, how are the cops doing out there right now? They're really excited 
to be pull up. I haven't even looked up. Pull up the riots in Portland over no election results. It's the only other place. New York had a little dust up, and Portland is just like, well, we 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 got everyone together. <laughs> we may as well. Uh, riots declared. Uh, National Guard activated in downtown Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox News is saying there's also Denver police clashing with protesters. I mean, yeah. Look, a clash with protesters is not a riot because yeah, right. you're always going to have. I saw a kid get choked out at the pot at the pot march when I was a kid because he was just like he walked up to the cops and opened a thing. He was like, "Would you like a donut, officer?" And they just tackled him. So they that you know what I mean? Like nobody else got attacked. Like that'll just happen. Yeah, he's just a being a fucking prick. Yeah, that'll just happen at a protest. Somebody will get a little ballsy. Cops get yoked up. Yeah, cops are gonna be cops. Cops, cop going cop. It sucks. Huh? It does kind of suck just having bullies in your neighborhood. You mean the cops? Yeah. That's really what their job is, to kind of just be bullies. And that didn't used to... That wasn't their job where I grew up. Dude, did I tell the story about the blackout on the show yet? No. Right? No. Fucking... So the 6-8 precinct in Sheepshead Bay used to be... They were pieces of shit, man. Like, they used to let kids out that got caught with pistols because they would just snitch on everybody in the neighborhood. And, um, fucking, I remember during the blackout, they hopped out on me and, like, eight other guys. We were walking to a party because it was a blackout party. You know, it's a blackout. You gotta have a blackout party. I did know a couple of people who, like, older guys who were still, like, mooks who drove in from Jersey. I'm like, you got a family. He's like, yeah, but I had to be in the neighborhood. It's a blackout. I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? Nothing's happening. You guys were the assholes. You have aged out. I told the story about that kid who they told me to never mention I knew him outside the neighborhood because he stabbed so many people. Yeah. That kid showed back up, and he had, like, a whole thing in front of this party where he's like, you kids don't know what we used to do. He's like, Chris knows he was there. And I was like, yeah, all right, Rich. I I, uh, was there. Yeah. I don't know why we're, we're having a party. At your friend, your friend's house. We're at your friend's house that you know, and you came and you got hammered, and you're just mad that we're not all fist fighting for your amusement. <laughs> but so wait, 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 was that it, or was it like was he like trying to make the come up? Like I think yeah, maybe he was trying to toughen us all up. But what did he want us to do? Like just no, but you have you could pull out all your teeth because of the amount of times you've been kicked in the face. Nobody wants to live like that, bud. You know what I mean? Like, it's fair. Like, and there was also less cops when he was stabbing people like an asshole. Him and this other kid, they threw a kid off the Manhattan Beach Bridge. What? Yeah, they just threw a kid off the footbridge. I think he lived because it's, you know, it's not a real bridge. It's a fucking footbridge. So it's like, you know, it's not like you fall, but they literally threw a drunk kid off a bridge. Which is pretty funny when you think about it. It's kind of... Yeah, it's pretty hilarious to be able to do that. I saw it's a, a kid shitty once, night for that guy. He's I saw a kid once, drunk. I, I was hanging out with that kid and a couple other kids once, and I saw I had somehow got my hands on a um, bail bondsman's badge, and I gave it to these older kids. Who kids? They were twenty eight, and I was like fifteen. And I gave it to them, and they tried to mug a kid, and that those and that kid came back with like fifteen Mexican kids and just beat the shit out of three. I just like got, I was like oh, I'm out of here. I'm gone. Um, probably shouldn't have told that story, but whatever. Those kids <laughs> got beat up. Uh, so the cops on Avenue Z during the blackout, and we'll get back to what we were talking about. 
Um, they just stopped us, searched all of us, took like a couple of knives off kids because people just carry knives. And they just, I remember they go, yeah, do what you want tonight, but stay the fuck off Avenue Z. That's the most bully asshole shit. Yeah. To your point, right? Like, that's just such, stay the fuck off Avenue Z. But yeah, we're going to get back to normal. The election's almost over. We're going to get back to normalcy in this country, you know? We're gonna Bro, I, so this violate is, sovereign borders. So this nations. is a this is an honest question I have uh-huh. for you. Uh-huh. Like I everyone all week has been like, you know, oh, they're gonna fucking take it easy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna fucking they're gonna relax now that their guy's in office and it's like mm-hmm. they felt like their back was against the wall with Trump in office. Mm-hmm. Things aren't gonna get better for anybody under Biden. Nope. Nobody's life is going to get better, and it's nope. like, do you really think they're going to count this as a victory, look at, or look, look at or uh-huh. is this going to be a thing where it emboldens them to be like, my life still sucks. We already got to win with Biden by doing this fucking horseshit cancel culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, let's keep pushing the envelope further to keep getting wins, so our life gets better. Well, so here's the thing: is I don't think the people who voted didn't vote for trump because they wanted things to go back to normal would vote for sanders because they want things to go back to normal so that's out um that's i think that's just it um that's a i do kind of vaguely agree with you because they have already started pushing the narrative of how dare us have this tight of a race against trump this is the democrats fault but they still pulled out i mean it's a pretty it's a four million vote um popular vote as of now I mean it's a pretty decisive win huh. I mean if he, if he wins <laughs> he could still lose so what were the states that he ended up pulling because I was looking at this oh I guess it was oh it's the Minnesota Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah so when I was looking it was yeah like that that belt at the top well, that, that went blue was red that's the whole thing is like so, so on many, election night most of the people the people who aren't being fussy pantses out there in Portland, um, they voted to get back to normal. Because normal, you know, it's American, good old-fashioned American normal. So there'll be a school shooting anytime now. Any moment we'll have a school shooting. Hurry up. It's been it's been almost a year since we've had a school shooting, Mike. Well, <laughs> school's been a little empty. There hasn't been a school shooting since March. <laughs> Uh, You're telling me they can't upload Doom onto the Zoom servers? (laughs) Dude, that would be so funny. Dope. It would be dope. I'm just saying, it's like, we got to get back to normal in this country, all right? Good old-fashioned American normal. I mean, housing prices are overinflated, so that's something. We're going to get back to normal, Mike. All right, I got to move on. We got to move on. Play on my move on drop. Again, it's the, only, it's the only drop we have right now. We got another drop. What's the other drop? Oh, we don't. You haven't used that yet. We don't have anything for that yet. Don't worry, we'll save that. We um, don't have anything for that yet. All right, no, cool. No, nothing, nothing this week. Yeah, and you can. Obviously, you know you can email the show. Did you know you can email the show? I heard a rumor you can email the show. You want some life advice? You're gonna get some good life advice. I get. I've given Mike lots of good life advice. Bro, my life has never been better. Look at me. Literally, look at me. He's I'm about to go tank top confidence. Uh, tank top confidence is real right now, dude. Yeah. I'm about to go fight a man in the desert because oh, yeah. of life advice that I'm following. Mike is fighting a man in the desert in two weeks, folks. Mm. Um, two so weeks, he, ten days, baby. I mean, yeah, give or take. 
Uh, but yeah, you can email the show, ask the goon. Ask the goon at gmail.com. Make sure you do that. Ask me a question for your life. I will change your life. Ask the goon. And also, I got some dates coming up with uh, Robbie Bernstein. They are t- uh, pinned to my Twitter profile at Chris from BKLYN. It's right there at the top of the page. Um, you can go. Uh, we're going to be in New Hampshire November 28th and back in Philly. In Tom's backyard, yeah, which was not that Tom, a different Tom. Honestly, the Tom whose house we're going to be at, yeah, there you go. There's some video of that. Um, we're going to be in Tom's uh, backyard, and it's going to be great. He makes uh, pork shoulder and shares with the crowd. Um, usually, you know, last time we went there, he had two pork shoulders, about a hundred smoked wings. Bunch of food. It was it was pretty great, Mike. Sounds delightful. Yeah, that's December 9th. And then again, New Hampshire. I think we're at the Libertarian Club. Wait, this is saying November twenty eighth. That's November twenty eighth. This is in New Hampshire. This isn't Philly. Okay. Yeah. We'll be in uh New Hampshire, November twenty eighth. Okay. And then uh the other one is going to be December 9th. Um I don't see the December 9th one. Uh where can you get tickets to that? Right it's that same Twitter thread. But yeah, come out to that. And of course, we Uh-oh. should we should briefly talk about our sponsor, VinylGraph.com. You know about VinylGraph.com, Mike? I am aware. Vinyl, you go to VinylGraph.com, you can get custom graffiti logos. They're vinyl stickers that are reusable. You can put them up, take them down. If Look, if you've got to do something for your home or office, you want to add a little flair, or if you just, let's say you have a business... And you want to put up a good sign. It's great indoor signage for your business. You get your name, your logo. You get you get things for, it's about 40 bucks. But here's the thing. You're going to get 10% off if you use the promo code CHRIS1 at VinylGraph.com. That's V-I-N-Y-L-G-R-A-F-F.com. Use the promo code CHRIS1. You're going to get 10% off at checkout. I'll tell you this about VinylGraph.com. The owners of VinylGraph.com have been my friend for a long time. I've got one of these in my house. I actually had the guy who owns the website in my old apartment before he owned a vinyl printer, Mike, I paid him cash money to actually put up a mural that said High Society in my old apartment. Damn. Yeah, that's fucking tight. Yeah, well, you know, I was a real trash bag back in the day. That's some that's some fucking show at Facebook shit. Yeah, it was it was some real tra- Yeah, it was you know, it was a startup, you know what I mean? I gave him some um stock in the company and then he uh made nothing with it and had to start vinylgraph.com. That's V I N Y L G R A F F dot com use the promo code chris1 you're gonna get 10 percent off your order yeah it's fantastic mike and um look here's the thing i want to talk about one uh, a couple more things here one i got a bicycle ticket these cops you know they're out there riding bikes looking like turbo kid but i got a ticket a red light summons on my bicycle and nothing is more emasculating than getting pulled over on a bicycle yeah that's fair i was angry mike I would be too. I'm so angry. Um, I'm going to tell you this right now, Mike. Um, that's the second ticket I've gotten in a month. I've got a, I got a, I got a speeding ticket on the throughway. I was going 96 miles an hour for no reason because I'm an idiot in a Toyota Corolla, uh, and I got a ticket for that, which I have to fight because otherwise I'll get points and they'll take my license away. And uh, you get, you don't get any points for running a red light on a bicycle. I saw the cop and just went. I'm not even going to lie. 
I saw the cop because here's the thing. 90, I've gotten one of these before, like eight years ago on a bicycle. Really? Yeah. I've never gotten one. Here's what the cops told me the last time I got one on a bicycle. Uh, they go, well, you know, you ran that light right in front of us or we wouldn't have even done it. He, like, if we were, like, further down the block, they were like, if we weren't at the light waiting for it, we wouldn't have pulled you. Like, if we were pulling up to the light and you went, we wouldn't have stopped you and given you the ticket. But it just felt so blatant. So they gave me a ticket. It's 180 bucks. Here's the thing. Here's why I did it that time. About two weeks earlier, I stopped because I saw some cops at a red light, and they stopped me and searched me and said, we thought it was a little shady that you stopped at the red light. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yeah. That sucks so much. Did you tell the cop that when you... I did. He said, we're still giving you the ticket. Those guys were jerk-offs. And I was like, for all I know, it was you. Yeah. I don't know it's not you. You all look the same. You got the same outfits on. You're all jerk-offs. I have jerk-off fishing. You all just look like cum stains to me. I fucking hate you. Uh, <laughs> fucking assholes. Cops really suck. Dude, I'll tell you this. These guys gave me the ticket, and they got the body cam on. And the guy goes, just so you know, and they were like a little nervous. Here's the thing is like, I, I, this has happened to me a few times where cops have not realized I was a 40 year old man and they're 22 year old kids and they all of a sudden get a little nervous once I am angry. And like, especially like outside of a car. You know what I mean? Like, once they're like, oh, this might suck. Like, cause you know what I mean? Like, I just, they, they just realize like, oh, this is like a 40 year old dude on a bike. If he just punches us, this is going to be a long night. You know what I mean? Like, it was like a weird thing like that. And I wasn't gonna, but the guy's like, it was like a 23-year-old kid. And he was like, well, just so you know, you're on the body cam. Why'd you run the red light? I goes, I didn't run a fucking red light. I just started, yeah, I was just, I lost. I was like, I didn't run any fucking light. Here's, here's my license. And I just give it to him. And he, he leaves his fucking, oh, I had to, no, that's what it is. I had to go into my bag to get my license out because I didn't have it in my pocket. So I open it and his partner comes over with a flashlight. And he's like, and I'm like, I don't need any help. I don't need any help, boss. And he like steps back. He got a little weird. And then he just started behind me opening and closing a baton. Like, I don't know what that what sounds like. What the fuck? Like, I don't know what that sounds like. Are you like. kidding me? Just click, 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 click. And I look at this guy on body cam and I go, hey, I know he's probably out of shot, but I hope that camera could pick up him opening and closing a baton. Like, people don't know what that sounds like. Like, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? And so the guy just goes, and they were like a little weird. They like I don't know what they thought. The kid came back, and I just go, I, I'm glad you're re you're really helping the dead city. I I, I actually I was coming from here, so I take the ticket <sighs> and I go, I guess you're really helping the city's alive now. You're gonna this hundred eighty fucking bucks is really gonna bring back all the restaurants we lost. And he goes, I'm sorry, sir. Have a nice night. What a fucking prick. What a fucking dick. Oh. I'm so mad. I've like I've lo I've been looking at this ticket every day, and I now I have to pay it because if I don't pay it, I'll get a warrant. Yeah, trust me, you will. I know. Oh yeah, didn't you? Just, you just got arrested for having a warrant. I'm just such a fucking prick, dude. I told a buddy of mine once because I've had like, dude, I've had like three warrants at the same time and had nothing happen. And like, um, you just go and pay them eventually. And I just got three tickets in the span of a month, and they all just. I just went, I waited until I had three so I could just go take care of them all at once. And, uh, <laughs> you just, you know, you just lay low. You know what I mean? You just, 
you don't be an idiot when you have the warrants. I mean, you, you certainly don't walk through the Port Authority with brass knuckles on you. What was it? Yeah, uh, it was not the fucking Port Authority. I'm fucking tired of people saying it was at the Port Authority. It was at the fucking airport. The Port Authority police work at the airport. Okay, you realize it's way stupider to go through the airport with brass knuckles. But you should probably have some sort of weapon on you at the Port Authority bus terminal, Mike. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, but like, dog, I just don't want to get a reputation as a guy who's taking buses around. Look, like, I got to fight. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm fighting this guy, John Matthews. For a sandwich. No, if I Fought win. his way up from the box, guys. Kind of. <laughs> Still in him. Uh, listen, if I win... Lewis has to buy me a first-class ticket back. If I lose... He has to upgrade you to a first-class ticket back. Yes. No, 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 no. But from no, Phoenix, No, no, right? no, no. He has to buy me a first-class ticket back. Or, if I lose, he's not going to buy me a flight back. He's going to buy me a bus ticket back. Those are heavy stakes. I didn't know that. Those are heavy stakes, Mike. Bus back from fuck. What is that? Seven days? It's a long time on a bus, dude. It's a four day drive without stops. It's it's got to be six seven day bus trip. It's gonna be so long on a fucking bus. Oh, you better win this fight. Who the hell? Somebody's, gonna, I'm saying, somebody's, dude. Gonna, have, somebody's gonna have to fill in for you. That's literally all I'm gonna say. Like as I'm hitting this guy, like I'm not taking a bus. First class ticket. Here's the thing, though. First class ticket back from Arizona sucks. Why? It's mad. Ex- for you, it's fine. But it's mad. <laughs> it's mad expensive. It's unnecessarily expensive. But it is so it's just, fun to take but a it's cross not even, country flight in first class. But it's not like it's not like the fancy first class with the lay down seat. It's like the just two seats instead of three, and you get a hot towel. Yeah, but you also get to like, nah, nah, you get like a way deeper recline. Did you get almost all the you way do back? Get a, you do get a deeper, you get a deeper recline and you get champagne before takeoff. That's really the best part about first class. It's just you can booze. It's not even that you can booze. It's that like you sit down and they go, would you like something? Not when you sit down and you go, hey, I'm a little thirsty. And they go, yeah, we'll get to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're not in first class, like I've only flown first class a couple times. Like, but he's like, when I've actually only flown business class, which is nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and they it's just something so much nicer about what's well, like, you know, I like to have water with me, but they take you can't bring water through the airport. So like I'm not gonna buy water, I'm about to be on a plane where they give you free water. All right, like, what are the chances Lewis cheaps out and is like, we're doing business class? I don't think there is a difference between business and first. You're still going to be because I've I've taken you ever taken a flight to Phoenix? No, it's not a huge. It's like you know, it's like the nice. I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to fly Delta, which is probably going to be the nicest one. Sick, because like Lewis doesn't cheap out on that kind of shit. Mm-mm. So like you guys are going to fly, but like it, it'll be it'll be not. What would be great is if Lewis cheaps out on his. There's no. That's the thing that's great about it is because he would never buy himself a first class ticket. No. He but he's not, not going to fly coach. That's actually my favorite part of this whole <laughs> yes. thing. Is that he now has to buy he two. He has to. Because he can't. There is no way. He can't live with himself. Because <laughs> now, now you're just filming as coach boards. And you oh, just yeah. call him a peasant as he walks back. He can't live with that on Instagram. I can demand he stops making eye contact with me. And the flight attendant will make it happen. Um, I stri- I respect I, I uh, requested a no Puerto Ricans row. 
uh, uh, please get this riffraff out of here. We're in Phoenix. I want the tall Mexicans, not those East Coast short Mexicans. Those are the only Latinos for me. West Coast tall Mexicans from training day. That's it. <laughs> Fuck. That's fucking funny. Well, good luck in your fight. Mm. We'll be recording one more episode. We're figuring it out uh, before you leave uh, coming up. But, yeah, I'm... <sighs> That's fucking great. That's the idea of him having to... Just seeing how two. expensive the first one's going to be. Oh. And knowing he has to buy two. Yeah, it's great. All right, we're going to do one more story before we get out of here. And I got to talk about this. Uh, I sent you an article from Staten Island Live. Oh, no, actually, before we get to that, we have to talk about this. In the first episode of this show, we talked about um, the book White Privilege, mm-hmm. which I have since started. It's terrible. Why? I got to know a thing with one of my light-skinned bohemian black friends. You know how, like, those people are the worst? And I'm not saying black people. I'm saying light-skinned bohemian black people who, like, think poetry is a real fucking art form instead of just nonsense. You know what I mean? You know the kind of... He's my boy. We grew up together. Um, He was just like, well, why do you hate this? I was like, trust me, it's nonsense. I've seen this woman give multiple speeches. She's a huckster, Robin D'Angelo. She's a huckster. She she only wrote this book, White Privilege, because her name is Robin D'Angelo. She's the name of two R&B singers. That's double cultural appropriation. That checks out. Yeah, that's fucking shit. That's a double negative, which makes her HIV positive, Mike. Robin D'Angelo will go fuck herself. And also, her name is Robin. Pull up a picture of Robin D'Angelo. That bitch looks like a bird. (laughs) That's a bird-looking bitch. I know we call bitches birds, just in general sometimes, but this is a bird-looking bitch. This chick does look like she's half bird. Just pull. I got a yeah. That is a bird looking ass. She looks like she is Rachel Dolezal, but wanted to be a bird instead of black. Yeah, yeah. She's a bird lady. I give you told me that this person started their life as a bird and completed a number of mythical bird tasks to become a, a person. human. Oh my god! I would believe it. She's the little bird maid. <laughs> oh, she was a songbird who lost her voice. The little bird made. She's Robin the, D'Angelo. She's the ugly duckling who oh. just never. She's the ugly duckling who grew up to be an ugly bird swan who wrote a shitty book. I read just the first. I read the fir- I read the introduction in the first chapter, and in the first two pages of this book, I'm gonna read more of the book just to talk about it on the show, because uh, I think that's funny. If I just review a chapter of White Fragility every week for a couple weeks, it's only 160 pages. I think I can handle it without fucking killing myself. She couldn't write anymore with her tiny little bird hands. But yeah, he's just, she's like, this is long. I can make a whole nest with 160 pages. <laughs> um, so I just I get to the first page, and um, it's just like, it's just, she's like, I'm in a room with 40 people, and a man is yelling, white people can't get a job anymore. And she's like, it's 40 people. They're all white, and this is a corporate retreat. They all have jobs. And I'm like, this didn't happen. It already reads as false, lady. Your whole shtick is gay. It's right. Doesn't that feel fake? Hundred percent. I said that about Obama's book. There's a point in Obama's book. I tried to read that because the girl I was banging tried to get me to read it back in the day. And um, he gets to this point. Did we talk about this on the show? You're a hobo. Do you know about the Obama slept in the street his first night in New York thing? No. Okay. So he talks about this in Audacity of Hope, where he says that he got to the building he was supposed to stay at. 
knocked on the door that he for the address he got given where he could stay, like you know, friend of a friend kind of thing. And they were like, "We don't know you," and slammed the door. And he said he slept outside in the cold. But he was already in the building, Mike. Why didn't he just sleep in a staircase? Yeah. Right? You're a hobo. War, a reformed hobo. That dude slept in the staircase. Well, here's the thing. I think the whole story's fake because if it wasn't fake, he would have slept in a staircase. Yeah, but I think, here's the thing. I think he might have slept in the staircase and said, you know, like said, yeah, I slept out. Because that's not lying, technically. You ain't inside. I slept out in the cold. Does he go into detail about where he slept? Yeah, he's like an alley. First of all, it's like oh, three. Oh, for real? Yeah, there's like three alleys in New York City for real. Like they they always joke. There's like you know you know that trope like where like all the like all the alleys in New York City at any given there's only like six or seven like actual small alleyways on the island of Manhattan, and at any given time an episode of Law and Order is being filmed in one. It's true. Like it's like they're just there isn't alleys like you just it's just something from movies. Yeah. Like there's no real estate for that. Maybe in the seventies there were a few more alleys. But, um, yeah, it's just whatever. It fucking, so, yeah, this book uh, sucks. But if you don't remember, in the first, first of all, a lot more people have listened to the later episodes of the show. Go back and listen to the first episode because it really explains the name of the show. It explains this story. Um, so packages are getting stolen from my building. Um, and somebody puts up a sign that says, your packages are being stolen. Uh, I I have on video a six-two black man with a do rag has a pit bull opening packages in the hallway. This this sign is up in the building. This is the person who did it. Now, um, I'm almost positive, as I said on the show, I'm almost positive the person who put it up is a Puerto Rican guy who's really salty when his packages get stolen. He knocks on my door. He's really annoying. Um, then they put up a sign saying, "Whoever the non." Uh, POC, read this book, White Fragility. So that's the whole story. Now, about a week ago, there was the whole thing. They put up a thing. They're like, you're a racist for saying this kid, somebody, you don't know that this black person was doing that just because you saw them opening a package. Blah, blah, blah. This whole racist thing goes through. Read White Fragility. Do your work, white people in this building. Some time goes by. No more fuss. Now, what was that? Mike, that's eight weeks ago, right? Something like that. So a week ago, somebody hangs up a sign, handwritten, not printed. So we know this is somebody who's having trouble. There was multiple of them above the mailboxes. Whoever put up that sign about the 6'2 black man, that's my son. He lives here. How did it take them that long? First of all, I'll tell you this right now. There's no two-bedroom apartments in my building. That means that them and their son share a one-bedroom apartment. And seven weeks went by. And they somehow didn't find out that their son was accused of package thieving. There's mo- the problem in that kid's life, even if he is a package thief, is that his parents aren't helping him. Because it said on the sign, it was like, he's 16 years old, how dare you accuse him of this? Now, if anybody's going to steal a package... Because like I said, I lost my WWF hat. I had to get a new one sent to me from WWE. Uh, Iron Sheik hat. A 16-year-old is stealing a package labeled WWE on it. Uh, ten times out of ten. Yeah. An adult. 
Even how, many, I, how many adult male wrestling fans do you know, really? I mean, all the ones that order from WWE shop. Sure. I'm wearing a WWE shirt. Right. Here's my problem, though, right? Of you, guys like you, yeah. there's of your whole friend group, right? There's maybe what, like 15 of like yeah. 100 people? Yeah, sure. So it's like, what are the shop? What are the that odds? Are that are ordering, that are ordering from the web. Yeah, that want the, that want the merch. What are the odds that two of those people, right, live in your building? That's true. So it is probably a 16-year-old kid. So that's what I'm saying. He's like, I had a package stolen, and I know that's what it was. But it's like, the weird thing about it was the fucking, um, the, uh, the handwritten note about the fucking, the parents just not in this kid's life. How was the handwritten I almost, looking? I almost want to bring him, like, because he took an Iron Sheik hat. He probably didn't even know the Iron Sheik is. I just want to order that kid. I want to order like a better hat for that kid. Like for a new I want to get him a Kofi Kingston hat, right? Like he needs a strong black role model cuz his parents aren't cutting it. I like it. Right? Yeah. Cuz I'll order a Kofi Kingston fitted and hope that that kid steals it. Like I'll just leave it out there for too long, you know what I mean? Puts I'll put puppy chow on it so the pitbull comes and sniffs at it. Also, again, 62 do-rag pitbull black man could be anybody. It's true. It's this is New York City. There's 400 of them upstairs right now. Oh. You don't think like this? Uh, you don't think every single day in New York City is just the DMX lookalike contest? But I'll tell you this though: the signs keep go- have had been going up. There was like a couple more in between these things, and then so last week, right after that sign came down, another sign goes up that just goes, "Hey, we don't need to hear your video games and television." All night long. After a certain point, everybody in the building needs to turn their TV off. To which I, for no reason, assumed it was about me. You ever just see a thing and you just go, well, you could just ring my bell? What are you, fucking asshole? I just saw it and just, because I stay up until like 6 in the morning every night. Yeah. You know this, I text you at 5 in the morning, 4 times a week. Yeah. Um, Send and me to, articles about... To which I'm sure you think find annoying. I, I, I literally had to tell Alex, I'm sorry if I do that, it's a compulsion... I forgot that every, I forget that everybody's not a piece of shit. Um, I'm up till six in the morning every day, and I'm usually watching television or playing video games, right? Um, so I took personal offense to this note. So I decided I'm going to put up my own white fragility type note. So I wrote a I wrote a note um, that said, "How dare you silence voices." In this trying time. Do you not know. That loud noise. Is the is the power of rebellion. Do you not know that. I put up four of these signs Mike. And I did like a whole thing. Here I can read the whole thing. I have the Google Doc actually still. Um, I, I actually feel like. I want to I hang up another one. Nobody responded to this one. But I think I want to hang up another one. That says. Um. Uh, somebody stole a package of mine. It's a very specific garment. If I see anybody rocking my shit, it's hands on sight. I don't care what color you are. Like, that's pretty funny, right? That feels like maybe a bridge too far. Yeah, but they're not, they don't know it's me. I'm doing this in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the beauty of the passive aggressive hallway sign in a building. It's like, if you guys want to play passive aggressive, I'm going to get fucking weird with it. I'm gonna start hanging up progressively more insane signs. This is what this this is what the sign says. 
Exactly. Actually, I'll share it with you. You can pull it up on the screen. Hold on. Here's my question, though. What if, right, they think you're actually being... Insane? No, 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 no. What if... Uh, I, I said the wrong thing. What if they don't... What if they, it's not actually about you? What if they are just being racist and being like, yo, you got to stop playing cartoons so loud and like... Too oh, sick. and they just, they just assume it's a black man playing cartoons super loud? No, no, no. I'm saying maybe it's not even you. Maybe it's somebody else in your building. Oh, yeah, probably. I just am mad... First of all, I've had noise issues with people in the building. I There was a porter when I first moved in who on Sunday at 9 in the morning when I was still cooking and I would get home at 4.30 in the morning would blast sounds of the 70s so loud in the basement and he'd open all the windows so that when he was mopping on the fourth floor, he would put the radio outside and he'd blast the music in the hall and open all the windows in the hallway so he could hear it throughout the building. And I fucking spazzed on him, Mike. Like, you go and talk to the person who's too loud. But here's the, here's the note that I put up. You, did you just get the email? Uh, I just shared it with you. So it says, to the person who wrote the note about volume, do you understand that elevated volume may be necessary for the hearing impaired? How about the idea that some people use elevated volume as a conduit to resist it? Probably not. The ableism and intentional silencing in that sign clearly came from a point of privilege. Keep, please keep your fascism off our communal walls. Thanks, exclamation points, because that's what you need. That's a that's the mark of a good councilman. You Hell know, yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a committeeman. Committeeman, sorry. I still don't know what really I do. Oh. Uh, I'm a Brooklyn County committeeman, but there you go. See, Tito Ortiz is now a councilman. Nice. Me and Tito Ortiz are the same guy. Pretty much. I fuck Jenna Jameson, too. Yeah. Whatever. What's five grand? <laughs> got stacks, dog. Fucking stacks on stacks. Baby. You don't think I got G stacks? Fuck Jenna Jameson. Hell yeah! Come on now. Come on now. I call him Jenna Stacks sometimes. Damn. Um. Man. Yeah. So I put this up. I'm just gonna get weird with these signs. Nobody responded to this, and there hasn't been another passive aggressive sign up. Now, what I, I do feel bad it. about is that I know that the super has to take these signs down, and I really do like my super. His name is Gustavo. He's a very nice man. Okay, it's unfortunate. So, do you think that this is, I'm being, am I crazy for doing this, or is this just good, clean fun? Well, you're, I'm not going to say you're not crazy, because you're clearly a crazy person. Um, But, no, I think it's, I think it is good, clean fun, especially if you're, if you're playing their game. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. sign game. I fucking, I knew a lady, the one night I was ever quiet in my old place back in the day, the one night when I was like 20 in my first apartment. Uh, even before I live in Benzers, I used to have people over every night. And then one night I did it, and the kid next door did. And this lady across the street, I knew who it was. She always gave me dirty looks. She left a note on my wall, and I just left a note back on her door and be like, how dare you, miss? This is the one night I was quiet. (laughs) I was like, first of all, I didn't know that any of my noise upset you because we've never spoken. My name is Chris. Feel free to ring my bell whenever you like. Sure. And, uh... No, I was like, no one was here last. I know who it was. It was the fucking Russian kids next door. They were just peeling out in their fucking stupid IROC. Like, <laughs> but I, I don't play the passive-aggressive sign game. I'm done with it. Oh, clearly you do, because you keep playing the passive-aggressive well, sign game. Well, I don't know who hung up these signs. You're 4D chessing the... Yeah, I'm fucking... I'm really... I, I'm getting in their heads, Mike. I love it. Oh, they really probably don't like me in the building, is what I'm saying. You know what's yeah, funny? You're it's all... to move soon, dude. Yeah, well, I, I resign my lease, but I think I'm, I'm moving at the end of the year. I can't, I can't fucking take it anymore. But, um, yeah, so uh, this has been Notes of a Goon. Whoa. 
what? Yeah, we're going to end this. Do we have? Oh, yeah, we are our Staten Island story. Let's talk about that. This will be the last thing, and then we'll go. And then we'll go, and then we'll do another one next week, Mike. Oh, so this is my favorite thing ever. For some reason, so SI Live is the local Staten Island newspaper. It's so, and all these local newspapers, they used to be things called like the Bay News. I knew these kids, uh, the Dunn brothers, they got into a fist fight on Emmons Avenue in Sheepshead Bay. And uh, the headline in the Bay News was, They Dunn Did It Again. It's one of my favorite things of all time. Um, you know, one of those knuckleheads got it framed. They all, I, their friends all got it framed. Like everybody, like, like 50 kids, they like went and bought, that's when they still cost 50 cents. And they like went and you put 50 cents and you take the whole stack out of the machine, you know what I mean? Um, Sick. Hell yeah, fuck, it really got over on the Bay News. Fuck, it showed them. But uh, SILive.com is, um, is Staten Island's local paper website. And uh, it says, report, Dr. Anthony Fauci's island cousin. So I just saw this headline somewhere else, and I was like, I thought it was going to be a Jamaican Fauci. <laughs> like, I thought he was going to be like, Irie, man, don't worry about the virus. Take your medicinal cannabis. I thought, like, I thought it was really going to be Jamaican Fauci. But it apparently, and I clicked the link. I was like, oh, it's a stupid Staten Island thing. But Dr. Anthony Fauci's cousin says, stop already with the COVID-19 restaurant restrictions. I just love how the Staten Island newspaper website it's just like, yeah, he's related to a doctor. It's the same fucking thing. The guy, the guy makes, uh, you know. Do, what? do you know how many times, this is how stupid an Italian I am. Do you know how many times I've called my friends who are EMTs and been like, should I go to the hospital for this? And they're like, well, you know, I'm not really a doctor. And I'm like, yeah, but like, would, would you, if somebody called an ambulance, would you call them a pussy <laughs> for this? Like, uh, so... Dr. Anthony Fauci's uh, cousin. His name is also Anthony Fauci. Um, Real creative you guys are with the names. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Anthony. Yeah, a lot of Anth- Anthony. Fucking the whole catering hall that he owns turns around. Um, so apparently he owns a restaurant in Staten Island. He owns a catering. He does. He owns a catering hall. Hey. In, first, I mean, my, look, my father owned a fucking huge restaurant in Sheepshead Bay. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. But, you know, Fauci's cousin, oh, it's been there for 50 years. First of all, look at this place, Mike. Yeah. It looks like the restaurant Rocky owns in the later movies. Like, <laughs> nah, dude, it's I'm even... glad he got rid of the chip. Yeah, the, the, fo- the, the little fake... The faux paint chip to the exposed brick. brick. Yeah, it's like, like... It's like made to look older than it is. Uh, it, lo- it literally looks like the wallpaper at a fucking Olive Garden. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty... Br- Staten Island Italians, once they had to try to move... The actual quaintness of Bensonhurst to Staten Island, it just didn't, it just got so mini mauled. It just got very, it just, it got McMansioned. You know what I mean? It really just did. Are you dipping? Yeah. Yeah. You're really taking this boxing a hobo thing seriously. Yeah. All right. Mike is dipping. Okay. Bro, uh, I fucking, my stig ran out. I'm not going to go smoke a cigarette. All right, Mike. Pull back up my fucking buddy Fauci here. Scroll down. I, I don't really quite remember everything in this article. I sent it to you uh, earlier today, but I read it last week. La Fontana Restaurant is his cousin. He's just like, nobody's getting COVID. 
You can't even get COVID. This is a fake fucking thing. I know because I run a restaurant. What, are you going to get COVID in my gravy? It's Arabiata. It's got the fucking hot chili peppers. That'll kill anything that'll fucking hurt you. So, hold on. Scroll up a little bit more. Down, 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 down. Scroll down. Uh, Right there. He had us all locked down at a tremendous rate. He's talking about his cousin. They should have loosened things up when it was slowing down in the summer. Everything else was loosening up except the restaurant business, Mike. And this is him outside La Fontana. Here's Andrew Cuomo, another stupid zip. It's just fucking... I just love that they thought this was news. That's the beauty of Staten Island. That's the beauty of stupid Italians. I love... I just... I, hey. I know there's not much to do with this, but I just wanted to point this out to anybody who doesn't live in New York that listens to the show. Hey, you know, the guy with the degrees, he knows a couple of things. Maybe he's trying to keep you safe, but I'll tell you what it is to know. He doesn't know about the restaurant business. I've been here for 47 years Let me trying to some. make this thing work. Let me tell you something about my cousin. He got his fucking fancy degrees or whatever. You know what he doesn't have? Street smarts, Mike. Doesn't have streets, that kid doesn't know his fucking way. He couldn't fight his way out of a fucking paper bag. And I'll tell you this right now. He wouldn't know a piece of pussy wanted him if they painted him in the face with pussy juice. Tell you right now, Trump's making him look like a fucking clown. He's my cousin, I know. I know. I, I love him. Look, I love hey. him. I love the kid. I love the kid. He's a good kid. But fucking Trump is a businessman. He what? understands business. What do we do? You know who else understands business? Fucking viruses. Viruses... That's how virus is really just a businessman, really. Yeah. They come into your lungs, right? They fucking reproduce a bunch. They're really just, they're about their output. They don't want you to die because they need the output. It's not a pump. What are they, the mob? It's not a pump and dump where they burn it down. You saw Goodfellas. You know what I'm talking about. You don't want to get everything out of the thing and then it drops. No. Hey, you know who knows about business? Anthony Fauci. And not the doctor. No, no. Me. The real Anthony, I'm older than him. He's the shittier Fauci. We call him Fredo behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah, old Fredo Fauci. That's what we called. You know, he gets fucking a little pissed off, you know, because I'm, I mean, look, everybody knows I'm the better Anthony. I'm big Anthony. He's little Anthony. I mean, you all saw him through that baseball. We all saw through that baseball. He didn't throw that baseball. He, look, he he played a little underhand softball with the girls, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, this guy, he ain't making it through T-ball. Me? You know, if I could have hit the inside curve, I could have gone pro. I personally think I personally think those dykes were fucking having a munch their box for no fucking good reason. That's why he's got such a high immunity. He was munching dyke box in the fucking softball fields behind a dugout. Mm. You know what I mean? That's where the fuck you, you really build your fucking immunity. It's like... um. They got the yeast in it. It's the probiotics. It's like um, the kombucha that the fucking hipsters drink. Yeah, a lot of cultures in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good for you. A lot of cultures. It's a melting pot, just like Staten Island. It's a lot of cultures. Oh. So you got your Irish, your Italian. Then there's that one block of Sri Lankans and then the blacks downtown. Huh. You know, protect your neck. Well, this has been Notes of a Goon. Uh, episode 14. We're 14, 14, 14. Um, you... What's up? I just, I mean, I feel like. What? We're only in an hour 10. Uh-huh. There was one other thing you sent me. What was the thing? I don't even know if you remember this. Was I how drunk was I? I don't know. This was uh this is one of those things though where you send it to me at random times. Okay. What did I send you? Let me see. There's two hundred grand on the line, my friend. Two hundred grand. For five people in New York. I don't remember at all. Show me. Uh, uh, oh, the David Prize! My David! 
Oh, yes. What is this? Yeah, I want to nominate myself for the David Prize, Mike. I'm an extraordinary New Yorker. I've heard. I think I'm a county committeeman. I just, I, I forgot about this. We'll talk about this. I think we could talk about this a little bit more next week. But um, yeah, yeah. So there's a there's uh, all right. Two. It's a two hundred thousand dollar prize. Do people get to vote on this? We have fans. Yeah. Nobody else nominated for the David Prize is going to have fans. What what are the I I purposely didn't quite look that's why I didn't remember it. So it's for exceptional New Yorkers, you have serious plans to contribute. You're a visionary, you take risks and have the grit, grit like Edge at WrestleMania. Grit. I have grit. You do have grit. I don't quite know what that means. I think that's when you put like chalk on your hands and then you you grip a bar. That's yeah. what grit is, right? Yeah, it's grit. Yeah. Okay. It's grains and grip. Yeah, it's grains, right? Yeah. Grit. Grit? Yeah. It's like gruel. Yeah. It's like farina or something. Grit. Exactly. Okay. So you're a visionary, right? You take risks. You, you can grit. see things. Yeah, I, I, I can fucking... I see you, boy. You, uh, get- you get things done. You're already a contributor. I mean, I wrote that sign. I voted. Hey. I wrote in Vermin Supreme. Chris, you said at one point you were going to have a solo podcast. What do you have now, Chris? A solo podcast. And I'm helping people. I'm helping people. A man who gets things done. Yeah. I have demonstrated capacity and have a track record of extraordinary work. I mean, all right, maybe not extraordinary. It's pretty ordinary. Anybody can do this. Oh, here's where I have an issue. Mm -hmm. You truly need the prize. I mean, look, I got dough. Everybody knows you got dough. You got six billion listeners to your podcast. Yeah, but if I have two hundred more G stacks, you need that two hundred G stacks vinyl graph. Do you know how much they're paying you to be advertised to six billion people? It's, I mean, they're paying me seven million dollars a month. It's true. It's a lot of money. I think it's actually undervalued, but luckily, you know, like I said, they're my buddies. But the two hundred. Here's the thing: is I wouldn't keep the two hundred G stacks. To me, I would give some to you. I would literally every time I found out Lewis was flying. Coach anywhere, I would just make you fly first class. <laughs> that would be my that would be my whole thing. <laughs> like literally every time Lewis had a gig anywhere, I would put you in first class on that plane. <laughs> Dude, that would be the most that'd be the best job ever. If you just paid me to fly cross country first class to troll Lewis, that's a great way to spend two hundred grand. I think it's good. Well, let's see. Let's, what are the criteria? What do I have to do? Uh, you need to apply. Well, oh, December 4th. We need to apply quickly. Why? We got a whole month. Oh, yeah, right. We'll get to it. Yeah, we, yeah, we can do that next week. Yeah, we'll do. We'll take a look. Let's take a look at the application. It's probably going to be pretty long, but we're, we, we may have an interview following this show, so I don't want to go too long. Um, I, it's weird that it's like an open call. It's also called the David Prize, but it's in Spanish. Yeah, there's a lot in here. Oh. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need some time to read the fine print on this guy. Yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a look over. But I want to let people know in advance about the David Prize because I feel like the listeners of this mm. show could help me win the David Prize. I, I have an issue mm. with with anybody involved in this show winning. They say only five people can win. The example of the five people that they give. There's um O Dog from <laughs> From Boys in the Hood, right? Uh, it's Lorenzo Society. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, some sort of Mexican lady. Uh huh. A black gentleman. Yeah. There's a black lady there. Uh huh. 
uh, and uh, some other sort of Spanish. Yeah, the nerdiest, uh, uh, you know, Marco Rubi- Rubio's nerdy Fredo cousin. He, he does. He looks like yeah, Marco Rubio's fat cousin. Um, <laughs> scroll down a little bit. Let's figure this out. I just don't think it's. You don't think you're gonna. I mean, I could just say I'm Puerto Rican. It's when I racist get a, if they check. It's super racist. Well, here's something you don't know is that uh, I, we talked about this in High Society once. My uncle, when he was in World War II, got a genealogy done while he was on leave. Turns out my family originally comes from Spain, which yeah. makes me Hispanic. That is true. Technically true. The best kind of true. All right. Well, in this case, I really can't. I was going to say. I think I show grit and determination, and I really need this. And I would put that two hundred grand to turning myself into a uh, amateur uh, for fun boxing champion. A for fun boxing champion. <laughs> yeah. So like Ellis Mania, rough and rowdy. Uh, okay. You know, if like Lewis starts another boxing, promotion, probably something involving sock and boppers. BKFC. Uh, maybe like I just get to punch hot girls on trampoline. I don't know. I don't know, Why but. Would- on trampolines. I well, look, man. They because they gotta have some kind of thing that makes it fair for them. You know what I mean? Like I gotta so wear. So they're those. on a train. It seems like it would be a detriment for them. <clears throat> no, like I gotta be on a trampoline, and they got like real gloves, and I got them like fucking foam. Glo- I don't know, man. Just any kind of fucking silly boxing, right? Like BKFC is as real as I would ever go. So you're but- saying we should both try to get the David Prize? I look, man. There's no way they're giving it. They're giving two white people David prizes. It could be only one David. Bro, I think you're if you really want to play up this uh this Latinx uh Chris from Brooklyn. It's pronounced Latinx. <sighs> Killing it. You're already there. Yeah. I'm right there. Look, uh I all right, we're gonna look at this. We're gonna look at this on the next episode, the David Prize. It's gonna be very fun. Uh I'm hoping there's an interview following this show. Um I, I, it's, I'm supposed to tape it tomorrow. We're going to splice them together. But stay tuned. If you're listening, there's, uh, I mean, obviously you should see on your podcast player that there is more time. Um, but follow me at Chris from BKLYN. Come out to those dates with me and Robbie the Fire. It's going to be very fun. We are always hanging out after the show. Uh, we'll drink beers. Robbie's going to do some stuff. I'm doing a bunch of new stuff. Uh, I'm, I've never been to New Hampshire in my entire life. It's the, uh, what, what's it called? The live free or die state? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Liberty. Uh, yeah, and now uh, that we're getting back to normal, I guess I'll have to kill myself because we won't live free. Um, the M Harrington on all social media. I'm at yeah, dude. Check out. Uh, can I just yeah plug? Uh, yeah, they're fighting in Ellis Mania. Oh uh, yeah, Ellis Mania. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, the following Saturday, yeah, Mike is fighting at Ellis Mania. Yeah, and you're so, fighting an old man. Yep, you can who watch. Is the- Rude Jude's producer. Yep. Rude so. Jude is a nice guy. I like Rude Jude. I don't know his producer. Every time I've ever met Rude Jude, I've gotten my dick sucked. Uh, so I feel bad that I'm going to have to kill his producer. But uh, I mean, here's the thing. If it's Highlander rules, you might just become his producer, which I, is a better job than the one you have. He, you know? I'm just saying, if he turns to dust at my fist, then I think Rude Jude would have to hire me. Uh, let's, let's, here's hoping. Anyway, uh, so if you want to check that out, head to Jason Ellis's YouTube page. It looks like it's going to be streaming. Is it free? If It looks like it's going to be streaming for free there. They might be doing this kind of super chat thing. It might just be on Ellis's YouTube, like a link to mm. his website. Who knows? But right now, the only directions I have are to check out Ellis's website. Uh, I and will it's, say... It's next Saturday. That is this... Yeah, so when this episode comes out... Mm. Uh, you know, What's the exact out, date? 
Uh, November 14th. November 14th. Saturday, November 14th. Yep. And I uh, want to, you know, huge thank you to YoKratom.com, uh, who paid my rent this month so that I could train a whole bunch, and uh, to Jeremy's Juke Joint, who is housing my victory party after. Oh, nice. So that should be pretty fun. You, Fucking... got, a, you got a victory party sponsored, Jeremy's Juke Joint? Jeremy's Juke Joint. Fucking, uh... Sounds good. Dude, it's going to be absolutely delicious. I'm excited to go there, eat a whole fucking fuck ton of barbecue. Uh, Lewis is going to be drinking all night there. Uh, I'll tell so you, if anybody, alliteration is always a good time. Yo, if anybody is in the Lake Havasu area, come out to fucking Jeremy's Juke Joint on it's Saturday night. It's a two-hour drive from Phoenix. It's not bad. If you're in the Southwest and you're I hearing this. bet you can get an Airbnb out there. And it's still warm. There's a lake. Dude, Ellismania is going to be fucking Ellismania wild. is fun. Like people, like how know, many people how, on the network kind of shit on it, but like live, it was super fun. How many times have you uh, hung out with porn stars a- outside of the SDR show? Handful. Okay, so it's like AVN, right? When we, when we did the Exotica thing, and mm-hmm. fucking how many porn stars? A, a, a couple. A, I mean, whatever. I'm friends with Aaliyah Janine. She was a. Porn oh yeah, star. that's fair. I don't know. It just feels like fucking Ellis Mania attracts a wild ass crowd, so it should be a fucking ton of fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, Ellis Mania. There's chicks there. It is. It's a blast. It was. I, I mean, look. I would probably not travel across the country. No, but if you're in the Southwest, come out to Jeremy's Juke Joint on yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, you're within a couple of hours. I mean, the Get event's going to be Team fun. Rattlesnake, baby. Yeah, the the event's going to be fun. You Bisbing and fucking Lewis are going to be getting loaded. Not afterwards. Bisbing. Bisbing's going to be in London. That just made me sad. I know. Me too. I fuck, I'm I not even so, gonna be there, and it upset me. Dude, I was so I was so excited to just have a fucking fight weekend with Michael Bisbing. Having my dude, having Michael Bisbing corner me in a fight is my fucking dream, dude. Yeah, how excited I was just to be in a corner with Michael that sounds Bisbing. Like not it's the coolest fighting. fucking thing ever. Yeah, it was a blast. Having Michael Bisbing tell me that like what punch to throw sounds like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, because he's gonna say in that cool English accent. You know? Maybe the next one, dude. Right, Who right, knows? Right, right. Right, right. That's how he sounds. He's going to tell you to throw two rights in a row. He'll be like, right, right. Right, right. Right, right. Right, right. All right. So go, at least watch Mike fight. I'm going to watch Mike fight. I should probably do a live commentary. If it's, if it's free, I will absolutely do a live commentary. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'll do. I'll go on either Instagram. Maybe I can get, maybe I can get some of the guys to come in here and watch it with me in here or something. I'll talk to Ralph. Dude, that'd be fucking sick. Well, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. I can't promise, but I'll, I'll ask Ralph. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Notes of a goon. Good night. All right, guys, I'm here talking to Kobe Carino, somebody I've known for about a year loosely, worked together over at Catalyst Wrestling. I'm happy to talk to you. I've always I've been a fan of your work since I started seeing you over there, and uh, thanks for doing the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, man, I mean, I could tell, like, it's a weird thing, man. It's like, I know you got a lot of stuff going on in the last couple of months, but I knew you had, like, a great work ethic because uh, I've said that GCW show, the Homicide uh, Anniversary Show. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of was like, we don't want to do the after show. And you were just like, nah, fuck that. Let's do this no ring show, this no ring match with the young, dumb and broke kids. And you tore down the house. It was one of the most entertaining matches of the whole night. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to talk to you just before we get into like um, some of your older stuff. I want to talk. I was a big fan of the NWA uh, resurgence recently. And I know your dad. Steve Carino, if anybody doesn't know, former ECW champion, was NWA champion. And you had the uh, shot on the, was it the Circle Squared? Was the, they had this like reality show uh, for there. I watched your episode. You had wrestled one of your trainers, right? George South. Uh, and I was just curious, like what you thought. And I know you had been on Ring of Honor before that. So it's not like it was the biggest platform you were ever on, but it was the first time you're there, like as your own dude without being brought by people. And I was wondering like what you thought about that and like kind of how it felt when everything kind of got, the, the push kind of stopped because of COVID and everything. 
it was it was so cool to be there. Like uh, the NWA studio, like they filmed in this actual TV studio in Atlanta. Like uh, like they didn't they had like uh, news shooting the next door and uh, like some Judge Judy type program on, on the studio down the hall. So it was like it, it was real weird. It was very professional. I wasn't in an environment like that before. Like uh, all the other like TV sh- wrestling shows I was on was just like actual wrestling shows, but this felt more like TV. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had a great experience there. Uh, too bad for the again shut down. But I mean, were you looking forward to seeing where it went? Because it's I mean, like honestly, when I turned on the first episode and I saw you on there, just like knowing the pedigree, like I said, is like seemed like you were the favorite to win the thing. You know what I mean? At least the singles part of it. Like, was there anything you were really looking forward to doing while you were there? Like it had had it gone further? Oh, I was definitely uh, looking forward to be brought back, but who knows? Maybe it's not over yet. Oh, yeah. Maybe you know something I don't know. Let's. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Oh, I mean, look, anything, anything is fair. But I do want to tell you. Um, I was actually just talking to uh, obviously our mutual friend uh, Ash Samuels, and he was he told me you had your first match at five years old. Uh, I think my first match was at, like was actually four years old. I was in a tag match with my dad against Don Montoya and I think Reckless Youth. Okay. Now, now I, it's a weird thing. Is like, did you ever not want to be a wrestler if you're starting off? Because you're twenty, you're twenty four, twenty five. I'm twenty four. Yeah. So you've got twenty years experience at something at twenty years old at twenty four years old. It's a unique thing. Was there ever a moment you were just kind of like, I could do something else, maybe? You know, <laughs> uh, there was there was a few week period where I wanted to be a Power Ranger for a little bit, but besides okay. that, I just want to be a wrestler. Yeah, well, you already had the choreography down for the Power Ranger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I figured it was the next best thing. Yeah, so there's never been a, never a wavering moment in tw- twenty years. This has got to be an interesting thing, right? Because you're such a younger dude, but you've got more experience than a lot of the guys that are coming in. That probably like if somebody doesn't know who you are. And they're somewhere, right? You just because you're a young guy. Do you ever do you ever have that kind of pushback from any of the from any of the guys in any locker rooms? Uh, not really. Most of the guys I interact with are pretty respectful and like just treat me just like anyone else. I'll tell you this one thing I like like about working with with the wrestling show is just everybody is so like just working with comedians. They're the worst. You know what I mean? Nobody says hello to anybody, and like the the. The fact that it is expected for everybody to introduce themselves to each other in a wrestling show is something that I really love about that business. You know what I mean? Like it really, it just, it, it makes everybody kind of on the same level right from the beginning. Oh yeah. We're all really tight. I feel like wrestling's just one big family. Yeah. It's, it, it's great. It's really, it's a, it's a fun time. Um, we should talk about really, just really quickly. Um, you were, you, I just watched your two Oh five live match it was a test match. You had a tryout recently with WWE. Um, how how did that go? How did it come about? How did it feel in the era of COVID? And are you trying out for your dad? Because he's a trainer there, right? <laughs> yeah, um, it was it was surreal. It was, it's it feels weird because uh, like COVID's like changing everything. We gotta get all these tests, and there uh, was only like a quarter of this amount of people there. But I thought it, it had a lot of fun there. It was it was great to interact with all the trainers and. Um, Yes, I did have to perform for my dad. Yeah, I mean, but he's he's got it. He knows it. I mean, is it was it? I I always think about like one of those old school football movies with the aggressive dad. Was it like that at all, or no? <laughs> no, he's actually like the super nice coach. He's always like the good cop. 
So he was Rick Moranis in the movie Little Giants. I've never seen Little Giants. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm right. 12 years older than you. That's <laughs> um, But so, I mean, like, but this is a weird thing, right? Because what is it? Because I'm sure you've done, I know you've done some shows for no people because of what's going on here now. But it's got to be weird to be in, like, an arena in a Thunderdome. You know what I mean? With, with what they're calling a Thunderdome with all those, like, screens watching you and the fake crowd noise and all that. Is, was there anything that you took away from there? It was it was weird, but like in a good way. Like I'm I'm so used to like wrestling in front of no one at this point because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I train three times a week at the training school that's okay. ten minutes from my house. So uh, I'm pretty used to wrestling in front of nobody. And plus, like I've been on shows where there could be fans and there's still nobody. So <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable with the whole idea. But like being in this huge arena surrounded by computer screens, it was it was different. Yeah, like they pumped in like. 2k noise mm-hmm. so, uh, to like i guess make it realer for us and like okay. get us in the mood but did that weird. throw you off at all no no i it'd be weird if it was like rigged to the ring almost you know what i mean like if they could figure out a way where as you fell it just triggered something but it's just a guy in a truck hitting noises at different times yeah i think they just have a soundboard or something and they just hit the buttons for different crowds uh, reactions when something happens hmm that's what I think, at least. I'm not very educated about it. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm just, cur- I'm just curious what it felt like. Because, I mean, it's one thing to do something in a gym, which you're used to. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you train. That's where you learn. But there's got to be something. I mean, that was that the, that might have been the – was that the biggest arena you had been in? No, you've been in the Tokyo Dome before, right? No, I've been to Cork and Hall. But um, okay, it was one of the biggest. I've been into, like, a few Raw and SmackDown arenas. But – um. I think they had actually had people on them, so they didn't feel as as large. Like, That's what was, I mean. Is like it would throw, it might throw somebody. I could see it throwing you off to be performing to nobody in a giant room. There's like a point in the match where like uh, I'm about to do something to Mansoor, and like I just look directly at the camera. I'm like, wow, there's nobody here. <laughs> oh, it was very strange to me that it took them two months to realize that they shouldn't be showing empty seats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't. Want, I don't want to risk anything for you. I know you just took a trial, but I was like, I was so glad when they moved that hard cam. I was like, okay, this is so much easier to watch for as a fan, you know? Oh yeah, and I like on NXT how they have like uh, the crowd or like uh, the wrestlers that oh, I like yeah, behind the plexiglass looks like a hockey game. <laughs> I feel like the noise helps. Like the silence is is a big thing that like throws people off. I feel like at least the wrestlers mm-hmm. and. Um, and like watching it too, it's hard to watch wrestling without a crowd. Yeah, it's you very know? it's it's weird when people do the they still still doing the this thing. You know what I mean? Where they're using their hands to try to like pump up nobody. It's like a very strange. I feel like if we didn't do it, I feel like it would be weirder though. Because why would we do it like normally? That's true. You know? Yeah, I guess if you just walked out and we're like, I guess we're having a contest. You got to be normal. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's the new it's the new normal. But something not quite super normal is within a couple of days of this tryout you have i saw your uh gcw death match which is your first is your only death match right yep why i just don't i'm trying to figure out why you go all right so i got this huge opportunity now i just feel like i'll just go get hit in the face with a light tube um I, i've really like grown up like watching like hardcore wrestling and deathmatch wrestling so like it was just always something in the back of my mind that i wanted to do so you just got one. You just that, that. I always actually kind of wonder that about wrestlers who don't exclusively do that. Is like, 
but they all have one. You know what I mean? Is that just something that is like a notch on the belt? It's just like, okay, I've done that. It's it's going to look cool when they have to do a montage DVD of me at some point. There's going to be a couple of good shots from that. I, I think I just wanted to, to have it on my resume and just like say I, I was able to do it and like have it in my portfolio so when someone looks back at my, my career, they can find it and be I like, mean, that's oh, your spot that you did is brutal. Oh, like, yeah. I just watched it last night and I looked at that and I was like, oh my, I had never seen that before. I saw the one that uh, Jeff Cannonball did with that lawnmower part. And that was like, that was really brutal. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. Oh, that's one of the most brutal, where they're like, and I talked to him about it and he's just going, he's going, yeah, I was like, he's laughing about it. I was like, I was like, I thought you were going to die when I watched it on YouTube two years later and I know you. Like, it's like, but he's like, that skewer spot looked incredible. And then I was just like, I was like, oh, they're faking this. And you let your hand go and then they move. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, was, there, was, was, there, was there like a worry with that? Um, No, that's like, I feel like that was the one thing with death matches is that you have to go into it with like as little fear as possible. <laughs> because if you're scared, that's when like the, the most accidents are going to happen. Mm. Um, because like if you are like uh, like flinching and moving around as you're getting hit with all this glass and stuff, like you're gonna get way more sliced stuff than if you just sit there and take it. So it's just like a you just got to do a, a heavy meditation beforehand. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, just center yourself. <laughs> not super like, like not super articulate about what I do. I just kind of like all right, let's go do this. All right. That, I mean, that, that same, seem, it seems to be working for you. Uh, I mean, we're, we're on the subject. We should talk about some of your other GCW matches, which are kind of awesome. Uh, I know you just had uh, – you did a 20-minute match with Jonathan Gresham. He's considered one of the best technical wrestlers on earth. Like, I just – what were your thoughts going into that? How do you feel about it coming out of it? Do you like having that notch on your belt as well going forward? Oh, man. So, I didn't find out I was working Gresham until the day of the show. And, like, I just got there, and they're like, oh, yeah, like uh, – so you're going to wrestle John Gresham tonight. I was like, oh, cool. But um, I've wrestled John Gresham before at an ROH tryout. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though no no fans saw that, like, it was a really good match. But uh, so we had, like, a little bit of experience, like, grappling. So when he got there, we, we just wrestled. But, like, probably about six minutes into that match, I felt like I was about to vomit. And then he just grabs me to do more. I'm like, oh my goodness. It just like, it made me realize how much on a different level he is than me. And like, it inspired me to get better. I love wrestling. Oh yeah. And like, he's just so creative with like his calendars and stuff. Like he was surprising me with everything he did in that ring. Okay. Um, And yeah, and obviously the other matches uh, you got, well, so, we should say you won your first heavyweight championship over here at Catalyst Wrestling. It was the, uh, it was the you won the heavyweight championship from Homicide, but the feud started in GCW. Oh yeah, and um, uh, he had me in the STF, and my fiance, who is actually right behind me here. Hello. She uh, she threw in the towel for me, and he said some very not nice things to her, and then um, I attacked him, and with a, during a match with Mance Warner. And then he interfered in a match I had with Jimmy Lloyd. And then we continued that the feud in Catalyst Wrestling. Yeah. I mean, was that something that was exciting for you to do? Because that's like a very old school move is to keep, it's to move something from one show to another and keep, keep just kind of keep the heat going. And I was just wondering, was that something you were, is that the first time you ever did that? So, yeah, I think so. I think that was the, the first feud that like transcended uh, just like one promotion and went 
different places. All right. Uh, just something that's curious about it. Cause I know, you know, I, I actually just, cause I knew we were doing this. I went and watched, um, you know, homicides match with your dad years ago. And I know you've had a bunch of matches. Cause I, I, I enjoyed your match with HC Loke uh, over in catalyst when we were in Jersey that time, when you hit him with the half a table, I thought that was a great match. It was one of the first matches I ever saw you do. I was great. And, um, I'm just curious, is like, is there something like fun about that to you? Where or is like, does it ever get like uh repetitive if promoters are sticking you with the guys that have the history? Or is it like is it like a nice is it nice to be able to work with seasoned hands? No, I love working with the seasoned hands. Like um it's always just like I feel like a lot of these guys I've known since I was a little baby. So it's just like, oh cool, I get to wrestle this guy I've known for twenty four years. You gotta yeah, it probably feels safer, right? In a lot of ways. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Um, so we talked about the WWE stuff. We talked about the GCW stuff. You were in the ring of honor locker room as a kid and then you worked there. Was there, was there an extra level of pressure there for you? Um, uh, not really because like, um, growing up, like before every ring of honor show, I would roll around in the ring with whoever I could like be it, uh, Cesaro or Chris Hero, Davey Richards, so many people I got to like lock up with and train with that I wouldn't have otherwise got to. All right. That, I mean, that's all, I mean, that's pretty awesome. I, what do you think? So it's like this weird thing where it's like, I went through your cage match thing and like the amount of guys that you've either wrestled on a team with or wrestled against in the last few years, it's like when you were in Evolve and everywhere else, it's just like, it's like half of these guys who are on is like, so now when you go, like, like what's what do you think about that? Is it just, you're like, why are they there? Why am I here? Do you think it's an age thing? Or do you think, I mean, now you're starting to get the shots. But, like, what, like now do you feel like that's made you ready to go? Or is it, it kind of taken away some of some of the mystique of where you're going? Like, what, what comes next? Um, I feel real happy for them, but, like, it makes me feel like it's possible because I know all these people it's there. So I just have to work just a little bit harder and maybe I'll get there too. Hmm. Well, let's say, let's say, well, so like, I, like I said, I know you had the tryout, you had the two or five live match. Let's say you get into NXT in the next year or so. Let's just say hypothetically that happens for you. Right. Um, who do you think would be the first couple of people that like the first, like not, I'm saying like the dream match. Because we all know, like, everybody would like to work with, like, the top guys in WWE. You know what I mean? But, like, who do you think is the first couple of people you should work with that you could tear the house down and really, like, get those fans on your side? Hmm. Maybe Cameron Grimes. Okay. Is there any particular reason? Um, I've known him for a long time, but I've never gotten to wrestle him. So I feel like, I don't know. I just, I feel like we have a good match. You do. I mean, like, for, like, a program. So, all right, so let's say that's the first one. What's the second one? Where's the build? Um, I don't know. I don't really think about this kind of stuff. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm more of, like, a just go with the flow type of dude. You show up, get the work done, go and hard. As good as possible, yeah. All right. All right. I, I, I don't know, man. I could see – look, I could see – honestly, when I saw you – um. When I saw you over at um, 205 Live, I was like, that is an awesome – I don't know. I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but that seems like an awesome fit for a guy like you because it's the most – it's the highest work rate show, I feel like, in that company. Do you feel that way, or would you rather do NXT to start? I would love to go to 205. There's a lot of guys there that I would love to work with, like uh, Tony Neese and Drew Gulak. So – 
I don't know. And I feel like I would be able to, to do cool stuff there too. Yeah, I think you, you maybe have a little more freedom. It seems like that over there. Like they, they do a lot of character work over there, which I think is interesting. Um, let me ask you something about this. Because like you said, you grew up watching death matches and hardcore wrestling, which is obvious. But like, do you ever, so you, you, know, you grew up with the, the king of old school. You did the NWA stuff. You were in Ring of Honor, which is the pure wrestling. Is there ever like um, a comp? Because you work a very, like a classic style, right? Mostly. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah, like and in consistent classic style is was there ever is that like a consorted effort, or do you ever just like think like ah eh, maybe I should do like you know kind of you know some of the more flashier, intense indie indie stuff, or is there a reason why you stick to what you do? Um, I stick to what I do for because there's reasons for it. I try to like add in a little bit of flashy stuff, but like. I'm not going to be able to do six thirties and uh, double moon salts like some of these guys can. So I'd rather just do what I can the best I can, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, so like, I mean, walk me through it. So you're walking into a match with a guy. Uh, You're walking into a match. Let's say uh, the match you had with homicide, right? Cause I'm familiar with those matches. So it's like, you're walking into a match like that. Now, you know, if you maybe if you, you come off the top and you do something, you might get a pop from that crowd, but you work it a certain way because, like you said, you're comfortable with it. Like, what is there? Is there a temptation to maybe go outside of the norm? Um, I try to do new things like every time, but like a lot of the times, my new things are like transitions and like weird ways to get into things that like people don't really think of like it's not just like super flashy moves and stuff mm-hmm. okay i mean i mean look it, it, it like i said it's working and this is actually something that i'm curious about i know you've worked with a couple of different groups uh you worked with unwanted with eddie kingston and joe gacy over and evolve um just and you worked with the decade which is you know cedric alexander roderick strong adam page and now you're with the uh you're with the ugly ducklings i'm just curious like do you like having a base like that like a team base, what like what like what leads you to, into these different groups? Um, circumstance really leads me into all these different different groups. Like it's not like a I don't I really don't go out there and like a specific effort and I'm like you know what I really need to find some people. It just it's just how the way things work, and I think I try to make the most out of it. But mm-hmm. I do like having uh, like a group of people to work with because like it, it lets all of our personalities build off each other. Con- like consistently whereas like if it's if you're in a singles like competition uh most shows you're working with different people so like it's you don't really have much to build between characters mm-hmm. you know what i mean no i understand um so i mean this is an interesting thing because you've had the uh like you said you were with these you were with two groups with established stars but then you're now you're working with the ugly ducklings who are a great group of guys but you're kind of the singles guy in that group yeah does it, Basically, does it, I, i've been working with the ugly ducklings since uh like 2016 okay well how did it come about like again just you said it was just like the kind of thing where it's like circumstance and you just kind of joined up with those guys yeah basically like we were all thrown together in like a random six-man tag in a dark match for a promotion in north carolina like i've never never met lance or rob before that night and um we just got thrown together and we had a really good match and all our personalities like in the ring, like just meshed together really well. Mm-hmm. So um, 
the next month we were on the show and we were in a six weight ladder match, but we worked to get like, it was like every man for themselves free for all, but we worked as a team against everyone else. Like it was just different. And like the fans really caught on to it. And then we kind of just became a tag team after that. I mean, yeah, it's an, it's an interesting thing because it's like, like I said, like, it's not like you're the lead guy there. Those guys were an act before, but it's like, do you kind of like, so in the other groups, you were kind of, you know, you were the younger guy there with the established guys. Do you like the idea that you guys are on more of an equal footing? You're on like a little bit more of an equal footing with those guys and almost like you can kind of leave that group and do your own thing. Like, is that, is that an advantage to that over say uh, the decade or unwanted or whatever was going on? Whereas like, you're kind of like in a shadow as opposed to like on equal footing with those guys. Um, I don't know. It feels it, it feels good to be like on equal footing and not just like the low man on the totem pole for, in the group. You know what I mean? But it's uh, I'm, we'll just see what happens. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll keep. You know, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I wanted to ask you. This is an interesting thing. Um, I just found out. So, you, uh, I know you do some work at Premier Wrestling Federation down uh, North Carolina, right? Yeah. Uh, and you just you just produced your first show uh, for your birthday in August, correct? Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm curious, like, was there something where you, did, were you worried about it? Were you just like, I got this. This is going to be no problem. Or uh, were you just like, I, do, do you kind of almost like get how stressed out some of these guys are? I see some of these guys running around promoting a show, pulling their hair out. You're a very even keel dude. Did you just handle it? Or would you kind of like get some of the stress from promoters? I don't know. I was stressed out running around uh, the same as all these other guys. If you ask any promoter, the day of the show is like the most stressful time ever. If you're running a show, plus I had a wrestle on it. Oh, it was, it was awful, but everything worked out pretty well. So I can't really complain about it. Would you do it again? Would, is it something you'd like to do? Are you just glad you took a shot at it or. Oh, I would definitely love to do it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. When you do something like that, you put together all the matches or were you just really like the organizer, like, was there any was there any uh, help or how'd you how'd you just jump into it? I know it had been your dad's company, but then now it's not. Um, I was I was pretty much the organizer for almost everything. Like I contacted everyone and I put together the matches and everything. And um, it happened at uh, Jakob Hammermeyer, who was the owner of PWF, mm-hmm. his house. But um, yeah, between the two of us, we pretty much put everything together. No, I mean that's great. I mean, but what made what made you want to produce a show just to get just to get everything done? Um, me and my dad were sitting in our backyard, and he like was looking at the backyard. He's like, "Man, it'd be cool if we uh, you had a ran a backyard show." And I was like, "You know what? That's a pretty good idea." So I decided to just do it for my birthday. So as somebody, one of the only guys that's your age that never had to do a backyard show in your entire life because you're wrestling with your dad. At five years old, you're just like, ah, you know, for my birthday, I'll throw, I'll throw it back. 20-year anniversary of wrestling, I'm going to be a backyard wrestler. That was <laughs> – Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Well, you should have you should just – you should have got the Hardy Boys out there. <laughs> I think they're a little tied up right now. Yeah, yeah, they're tied. Yeah, it's true. I think nothing counts in a backyard. I think if you do anything in a backyard, no contracts should count. <laughs> Tell us it big companies. Um. Say here, sorry, just gotta check my notes. Uh, oh yeah, here's a, here's an interesting thing. Uh, just I just I'm always curious about this. When you 
is there is there game tape you watch to influence your performance? Like when you're when you're looking for inspiration, who do you go to? Like ob- other than the obvious, the guys you came up with, your dad here and like, is there anybody like we wouldn't expect that you'd be like, oh, that's the guy? Um, there's this Austrian dude from the '80s called Volkan. He's okay. really good. He's like this uh, super good submission wrestler. And uh, Volkan, yeah. I don't know. V O L K space H A N. He's fantastic. He would just tie people up in like pretzel like knots and okay. And then, what, where did he work? Uh, in Europe, all over. Okay, so like world of sport kind of stuff. I think so, but I'm not sure if he actually performed for world of sport. Okay, and this is a name that I've never heard come up before. It's just like, did you just know him because, just because you were in the business at such a young age, or is it just like, how did you find, how did you find it? I spent a lot of time on the internet. I'm a big wrestling nerd. <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, is there anybody? All right. So let's say again, hypothetically, if you end up somewhere else, is there anybody that you have left in the independent scene that you feel like you need to work with, work a program with, anything like that before this is over? I would love to work with uh, James Drake, JD Drake, and Evolve. Okay. Yeah, he's a real good guy. Um, you get my last match with Homicide in. Okay. Yeah. Well, we yeah, you got to have one more. One. We got to. We got to have the uh, the rubber match. How do you think? Would you guys? If you you think you might have a stipulation? I feel like we got it. Well, what would you what would you want to do? He's getting old. You can't make him climb a ladder again. He's going to kill me if he fucking sees this. Just a no-holds-barred, anything's-legal match. All right. Just straight-up street fight? Brooklyn street yeah. fight? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Well, not Brooklyn street fight. I don't want to put it in get him home field. advantage. No, 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 no. How he's interesting is that guy? I said this to Nick Aldis, too. For a guy his size, he's such an intimidating dude. Oh, yeah. He is. He's very intimidating. Like, I said his name wrong at Skankfest last year, and I was like, he's going to fucking kill me in front of all these people who are who like me. I mean, the man's name's Homicide. Well, how much, yeah, like, true. how hard can he get? Dude, I thought that was, like, when we went to that 20th anniversary show, I had never been to, like, one of those crowds that just came to see Homicide. Mm-hmm. I literally was sitting there, and there's, like, legit gang members just <laughs> in the crowd with, like, because I grew up in Brooklyn. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, that guy's just flagging Latin Kings. We're in a re-, like, and then they're cheering. I'm like, please tell me somebody told them this was fake. Like somebody not to use that word. I know people get uptight. Like, well, please somebody tell them somebody smarten these kids up because something's going to happen in here. This is fans are intense. He's an intense guy. I'm glad you guys are working together. The street fight catalyst wrestling title that I'm going to, I'm going to, Make sure I'm gonna push for that. I'm gonna tell those guys this is this is how we finish this off. Is there any well, is there anybody else though? Is, is it just who who else would you want? Let's say the homicide match is over. What who's the next person you want to put the belt up with for the catalyst wrestling belt? Uh I wanna give Jordan Oliver a proper match that doesn't end in a disqualification. I mean, that's a great Jordan Oliver's work in MLW has been great. He's he's great. He's I've wrestled him before, but like he's definitely put on a lot of weight. He's definitely been putting the work in. I think he's been doing a lot better. So I want to see where he's at now. 
You look good at the taping last week. Yeah, that's a great that's a great fit too. That's a great match. That'd be very entertaining. And I've never seen you guys wrestle. So I mean, where have you guys wrestled before? Uh, we wrestled for this promotion in Virginia. Um, I think it was earlier this year or late last year. Hmm. I don't know. It feels like it's been forever with the, the quarantine and everything. Yeah, who knows when? Uh, I don't know when anything is happening anymore. Like it's but, just. Uh, yeah, and I've wrestled him before. I wrestled him at the Homicide Show in that uh, no ring match. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. It was it was all the young, dumb, and broke guys. Yeah, that was great. You guys were on top of that. I just remember you guys were on top of that bus at one point. That was inside okay. the arena. I gave him the pile driver on top of the yeah. giant van. Yeah, it was pretty entertaining. And uh, I I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know it's you know it's it's late night. And I was going to ask you this though. I know you became a father this year. Is that has that changed anything about where you want your trajectory to go? And like, was there an instantaneous change on your hustle? Because I know it's 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 a tough it's a tough hustle. Independent wrestling. Oh yeah, it definitely did. It definitely inspires me way more to uh, to succeed, and then just drives me to and motivates me to keep going forward. All right. Well, I mean, I just want, is there anything else? I know your, your social media is at Kobe Carino on Twitter at Kobe dot Carino on Instagram. And obviously the pro wrestling tease.com slash Kobe Carino for any merch. Is there anything else? YouTube page, anything else you want to get out there? No, I think you just about covered it. All right. No doubt. Thank you so much for doing the show, Kobe. I look forward to seeing you in the near future. And again, thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. Have a good night, man. You too. Show me the way. To the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar, I tell you we must die. I tell you. Little girl.